Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. Got a full night of sleep last night, fired up and ready for this final homestand of the regular season, as is my co-host and partner in crime, uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. We are coming to you here from the 1957 conference room in the offices at Truist Park. And uh, I was walking over to the ballpark this morning, Greg, and I was just thinking, like, this is it. This is what we play for. It's, it's times like this. Like, this is somebody... Somebody's going to come out of this week and get a chance to go to the postseason and have a have a chance at a World Series, and somebody's going home. And that's what it's all about, right? Well, I will have to say this is the most exciting time of the year. Not only was the Ryder Cup just unbelievable. That was great. And then we had uh, we had college football, some great games, and then my Cowboys just stuck it to the Eagles, which was awesome. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. And um, and then and then you've got this incredible you had an incredible series in San Diego and we come into the home stretch and it couldn't be any better. I love how we always finish up with our division. We didn't have as many divisional games, it seems like during the month of September is typical, but coming down to the last stretch against your own division and the team that's chasing you. You get to play first, and um, uh, it's just it's perfect. So this is a great, and the weather changes. I mean, this couldn't be a better. Uh, we got a lot of got a lot of uh, alumni tournaments going on right now. We got to try to channel our our Ryder Cup <laughs> out into the golf course yesterday. Didn't completely work out that way, but uh, but we had a great time supporting a lot of charities here in the Atlanta area. Nice. Well, I will say the weather out there is uh, yeah, it's, it's perfect gorgeous. golf weather right now here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and in Georgia. It is just walking. I was thinking that another thing I was thinking walking over here to the ballpark this morning because I live so far away that I walked away. <laughs> um, I was like, man, this is we're kind of past that. Don't get me wrong. I love Atlanta and I love the summertime. It's my favorite time of year. But there are ter- certain times, especially like late July or in, once you get into August, mm. where even first thing in the morning, you go outside and it's like that sticky, nasty, ugly hot. This morning, it was like, man, it's yeah. a nice, cool, like postseason crisp. college football weather, crisp weather. Yeah, we're, we're settling it. I, I was thinking about, uh, I keep thinking about the 2018 season because that one was settled against the Phillies here at Truist Park. And I was just thinking back to how much, how much darn fun that series was. That 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 series is just that 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 course of few days of that season is one of my favorite times. As not only on the job, but as a Braves fan, it was just it was just so great. And it's like, man, if we can have anywhere close to that level of excitement this week, which I think we're going to, I think it's we're all in for a big treat here this week. Yeah, well, you said it. You couldn't ask for anything better than this. Well, I guess there could be one thing. Well, if Kapler was still the manager of the oh. Phillies. That would be the only thing, just to see the dumb look on his face when we <laughs> hey. clinch. Would be the only. Now we might be able to get to do that against the Giants, but it's not the same. Even though it's the same him, but that would be the only icing on the cake is to do it against Kapler. Well, there you go. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. We'll get that message out there to it. Well, we figured we we've had on Alex Anthopoulos, of course, general manager of the Braves, three or four times now. We like to check in with him a couple times throughout the course of the season, usually around the beginning of the season and around the end of the season. And we figured what better time to have him in than now. Last homestand coming up. Uh, there's certainly will be plenty to looking past the postseason. Mm-hmm. There's plenty to talk about with the, the off season and what we're looking at doing next year, and so much to talk about. So, and and Alex is always 
is gracious with his time. So we, we usually tape these intros after we have our interview. Today we're doing it actually before. This is, you're hearing today's show in the order that it was mm-hmm. recorded. So uh, No spoiler alerts. Yeah. What do you, all right, I won't, don't, <laughs> listeners, don't say anything. What, what are you going to ask him? Oh, well, I, I definitely want to know, is this how you thought it would work out? Okay. <laughs> and and was this plan A? See, my, my, my version of that question is, <laughs> how would you characterize this season? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, the season's, yeah, he... Of course, you know, those guys, they live it just like we do. I mean, yeah. they they want to win. They're as competitive right. as anybody. Don't don't think that's not true. It's not just all beans and, you know, and just moving chess pieces. They are competitive. They want to win. Um, they wouldn't be in this, in this game if they weren't competitive because it does take an edge. I remember talking with Mr. Schultz a lot, and he he is just a, 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 as big a competitor as we were. It's just... He had to express it in a different way, but man, he he wanted to win. He wanted to be known as you know the team and the organization, and so there was a huge drive there. And I've always gotten that feeling from Alex, and there it's just a different competitiveness, you know. But just because you can't go out there and hit a ball, but you can do the things that put those pieces out there on the on the field, and so I, I love talking with him. And of course, he's as candid as he can be. Uh, there's things that he can't talk about, and of course we could ask him all those questions, and he's yeah. gonna Freddy. he's gonna dance <laughs> yeah. around them. Right. Yeah, Ozuna, do Ozuna, Freddy. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things, and some he does, honestly he doesn't know, so right. he, he has to let things play out, and whether or not he's gonna tell us, yeah, I had this piece, this piece, and this piece, and then ended up going to that piece and those pieces, and you know that's you don't always want to do that because. Um, for whatever reasons it just there's no reason to but yeah it will be interesting to know did he really was this half of what he thought it would be and this was just 50 percent more and it just all worked out because sometimes it does that sometimes i mean look at there's plenty of teams out there that made moves and nothing worked out right look at the mets yeah i mean they made they made a huge acquisition in Baez, and they're they're already eliminated as we're sitting mm-hmm. here talking about it going to finish with a losing record actually i saw a stat <laughs> i can't remember if it was it might have been anthony to who covers the Mets um, somebody on Twitter you can yell at me after the fact if I'm wrong but I, th- I think it was Anthony mm-hmm. Nakoma who tweeted out nobody has been as f- in first place as long and then finished with a losing record the Mets were in first place for 103 days I believe it was mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me but I believe it was 103 days and are now assured of finishing with a losing record so nobody's ever been in first place that long before and then ended yeah. up with a losing record which is pretty astounding yeah how do you say it uh, same team different ownership I know I know that's going to they're going to have an interesting offseason, too. Uh, well, you ta- you touched on – it's interesting. I want to try to get into, like, that competitive side of mm-hmm. things with Alex just to see if he'll – because I know how I react on the couch and whatever and how I'm just hanging on every pitch this time mm-hmm. of year. I'm just curious if if, if they are. Too. I know they are. I just – I wonder if, like, when they're behind closed doors, if he's just at home or he's in his office and nobody else is around, is he – does he every now and then pound the table in either in a good way or a bad way when nobody else can see? And I don't know that he would admit that. But I, I'm honestly curious because you know those guys are just like I'm just a fan and I feel like mm-hmm. it's like life and death with every pitch. Sometimes I know you guys, players, you can't always be that way. But I would think for executive, even somebody that's been there and done that, like it, it's that's not just it's it's your job. Like and these are the moves you made and this is the mm-hmm. team you put together. So I can't that that oh, yeah. pressure while sure. watching a like watching a playoff race happen. It's just got to be. Well, we crazy. all know that these guys have good years and they have bad years and they always say back the back of the bubblegum card doesn't lie but 
the the Jorge Soler from this year, if you, if you were watching a Royals game and you looked at, you know, Jorge from a year or two ago and he's got 38 home runs, you're like, what what am I missing? Right. What's going on? He is definitely not what I expected. No. I expected him to meet, be more of the Duvall strikeout home run, but he has a great eye and he does a lot more than I expected. I mean, so much that they put him in the leadoff spot. I yeah. mean, that's pretty amazing. It tells you all that you need to do, that yeah. he's just not up there swinging and missing every time. He's right. doing a lot of things, moving people over. He's hitting doubles. He's taking walks. He and he, you know, But he's really not hit that many home runs. I mean, he's hit some, but nothing. You don't say, oh, Jorge Soler. You know, he's not like he's hitting him like Riley. He's hitting him like Duvall. He's hitting him like Ozzy. Even though he can, he's a big old guy, but he's doing way more than just that. If you had at the beginning of the season, if you're out there listening and you had leadoff hitter Jorge Soler on your bingo card <laughs> yes. for the Brave season, I'd like to come talk to yeah. you because there's some Powerball drawings up I'd like to that's get your right. advice on. Cause that's, that's pretty right. Incredible. Well, we don't have, uh, shockingly, they don't give us votes for GM of the Year exactly of the year or any awards for that well matter. he's he's got to be in the top two or three i mean i don't know who's done better job yeah but maybe the giants i mean they've been in first place all pretty much the whole year and you look at that lineup i think ours way more impressive than theirs so whatever they've done you know maybe that's, maybe he's got some votes um, that's interesting that is an interesting way of sadly kapler's probably going to get some votes for sure yeah uh, the manager of the year it's interesting maybe it is interesting to see like okay when it comes down to it which way do the voters go like say for executive or gm of the year you look at, at the team that just did it the entire year with how they built it or do you go with the team that had all these things happen injuries mm-hmm. the ozuna situation all this stuff happened that's it's pretty much out of the gm's hands and then the middle of the season essentially rebuild a team right and and don't get me wrong. Look, we're if 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 we lose these next few games and, and miss out in the postseason, then it's just probably all the wash, anyways. Right. But let's assume we go. We do win the NLEs for fourth consecutive year. I don't know. I, I I'm tr- I feel like I'm being objective, but I know I'm not. I'm just biased. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I, to me, it's like the guy that re- had to rebuild a team in the middle of the season and still won. To me, is right. More impressive, but I don't want to take anything. I mean, we've we like giving Kapler a hard time because of some of the things he did with the Phillies, but the, the, what the Giants have done this year and some of those guys oh, that people yeah, thought were done, sure. those veterans that have that have kind of had a resurgence. Well, you know? I look back at last year or the I can't what was it last year we rebuilt the bullpen last year or the year before uh, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. I mean, that was a clear example of Alex going out and showing his value, and there's no better way for a GM to do that either in the off season, but I think. More importantly, that would be, you know, number two. Number one would be doing it at the trade deadline. So you rebuild a team that's been struggling to get past 500, that's been in third place all year, and then all of a sudden, bam, and you just catapult to first place. I mean, what else do you have to prove as a GM of being executive of the year or being just um, knowing how to do things right? There's no better example. Like I said, offseason would be, you know, kind of the second way to do it. But number one would be where you have to do it on the fly because you've got to go out and make these deals and you've got to take a chance on people. Because think about all these guys were either – Rosario was on the was on the deal. You had no idea whether he was coming back. You had no idea if he does come back if he's going to be any good because he could have a lingering injury or be not feeling like a hundred percent. And then you've got Soler. There, yeah, he 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 has the ability, 
but you have no idea whether he's going to turn it around just because he gets a new a new lease on life mm-hmm. and and then you think about I mean Jock Peterson yeah he was on a last place team in Chicago you knew he had a great track record so he had a pretty good idea what kind of player he was and he was kind of doing that in Chicago so I don't think that was a big jump um, and then Rodriguez was pitching well you know he he was on a team but he was on Pittsburgh's team you never know there's been plenty of closers that have gone from no pressure teams you lose 100 games a year maybe you get 25 30 saves and you do okay but then you come to a first place team and it's a totally different environment so you really didn't know how he was going to respond he's pitched well so it's just been it's been amazing and then of course Duvall we knew Duvall very intimately because he played here and he was having a great year but there again you know, he was in the, no expectations, last place, Miami, and then you come right into the middle of a pennant race. And and um, and he's just continued to do, I, I would say he's done more. He's right. gotten even better. So for all those pieces to work out is just amazing. And that's, and maybe there's some chemistry things there that we know. That's we know true. Duvall's a chemistry guy and Jock Peterson's a chemistry guy. I think Rodriguez was kind of an unknown. Rosario maybe was a little bit of an unknown, but I'm sure they asked around. But you never know how that dynamic is going to work. And so for for Alex to be able to put those pieces together, for them all work, from they all to fit personality wise. I mean, it's just yeah. I don't know what better what better thing you have to show of your value as an executive than that right there yeah i can only try to pick up as much as i can from about the clubhouse chemistry from what the players post Mm -hmm. on their social medias and whatnot but just the other day richard rodriguez was posting him and himself heredia a couple other guys and they're just Mm -hmm. dancing in the clubhouse and that stuff and i see that kind of stuff that he's instantly kind Mm -hmm. of become for lack of a better phrase one of the guys already so that's i do well winning does that too winning does so that's winning call you know solves a lot of a lot of issues of clubhouse chemistry yeah that's yeah. right that's, that's, a lot of you become characters right or right. colorful personalities but when you you're losing you're a cancer you're a cancer you know? <laughs> it's a fine line between that's right two, that's it? right all right well without further ado let's get into it here he is braves general manager alex anthopoulos Well, Alex, thanks for joining us again here on uh, Behind the Braves. This is our annual get-together with you, and there's been just a ton that's happened. And, oh, yeah. of course, we won't be able to cover all that today, but we got to ask, number one is um, August 1st. Is this how you had it drawn up? Um, I'm Honestly, you just at that point, it's day at a time, and you have no idea. I was talking to Snit this, this morning on the way in and uh, just telling him how, you know, uh, this is kind of what you hope for, right? You're still in it. You're right to the end. You have a lead. Big series. He's like, yeah, you would have told me this on June 1. I would have banked it in a minute, second. So, you know, you always wish you had more of a lead and um, and so on. And But even, I tell you this, even the other three years, we were worried all the way to the end, too. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know that it came down to the wire like this. But um, like you said, it's been the challenging year. So yeah, well, but adding speci- guys that are playing well has been, right. has been, you know, it's been nice. Um, and you don't know how it's all going to work out when you do it. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you have your reasons to go in and acquire guys, and you hope that. And I think we got a lot of bulk because we needed it, right? We needed. Mm-hmm. We weren't one guy away, and look, we we tried to do more. So we just couldn't end up getting there. But you know, we were. 
that wasn't like, hey, we had we wanted to get four players or five players. We would have taken seven or eight mm-hmm. or nine. I mean, those places that we could upgrade the entire time. So, you know, I'm grateful to Snit, the coaches and the players that they held on and kept us close um, till the end of July. And then I'm grateful now in these last two months that they've played well. And especially this last road trip was crazy. It was scary. And uh, team played really, really well. Mm, they did. That It could have gone either way there. No doubt. There's been, and of course, you know, that's, uh, I, I, there was a great comment by um, Glav on the broadcast on Sunday. He goes, he goes, well, welcome to uh, playoff baseball and hope yeah. you got your blood pressure yeah, checked. Totally. <laughs> because, you know, totally. nobody likes to see their closer walk three and then no, strike no. out three. But, but you know, I think specifically, and you said you wish you, you, you would have done more if you could, but there again, you did a lot. And those guys, there was, I mean, we were just going through this on the, you know, before you came in here about, there were a lot of ifs. I mean, between Jorge and Rosario, I mean, you didn't know what those guys were going to do. So, was that Plan B, or was this was this Plan B, Plan A, or where there was just so much more on the table that you're doing whatever you can, and then you just let the chips go, and then you see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you're doing whatever you can. I don't, you know, trade deadline wise, it's hard to have an A and B. I mean, sure, the the impact star players that get moved, you want to go get those guys, but you know, for various reasons, whether it's trading in the division. I mean, some of the best position players, Schwarber and Starling Marte, were in our division that's you know mm. that you're going to pay a tax when you're getting someone in the division i don't think i don't speak for those clubs but they're definitely not motivated to trade you guys mm. so uh, right there it's tough you know we had two sellers in our division with really good players and we probably weren't going to be able to get access to those guys and that that was tough because those guys are really good fits for any team but again you only can work with the players that are available at that time so i think with experience you have to know you only have so much time available you have 30 clubs that are engaged in trade whether you're buying or selling everyone is in trade mode even those clubs that are out of it and so on you just know this is what you're supposed to be doing. So you have to be careful to manage your time correctly. You start thinking you're one of 30. You got 29 other trade partners. You start trying to have 20 lines, 25 lines and mm. conversations and people calling back and running interference. It's hard to pull off trade. So you have to narrow your focus and your scope pretty fast. You have to make some decisions pretty early of what's real, what isn't, what really has a shot to happen. What am I really going to chase and pursue? Um, and you know, who do you feel has a real chance to move? So um, from that standpoint, you know, we had... You know, I called Dayton Moore on Jorge maybe on the Monday or Tuesday of that week. Uh, we were off. So it was an off. I was in the office late and it was an off day for us. So it may have been on the Monday night. Um, and um, believe we were off. I mean, I wasn't on the road. I don't remember where, but I definitely remember being in the office late and, and uh, speaking to him and they're in the middle of their game. And then obviously we followed up again on Friday. Eddie Rosario, we had talked to the Indians. We knew he was going to be out for, for a while. Adam Duvall, we had been, you know, talking to them for probably a week to 10 days. We just weren't getting anywhere at all. And then Thursday night, I believe, um, I was driving back home probably maybe around min- midnight or 1230. And I remember just calling Kim Ang and just trying to, we had been just going back and forth for 10 days. I hadn't gone anywhere. And I just called her and just, could we just try to find a way to get this thing done? Mm. You know, because uh, you have a lot of assistants and people and so on. So, and it went to the next day. Um, and the Rodriguez stuff, we talked to the Pirates on and off. So, yeah, we were talking to other players. There were other players that got moved we wanted to get. Uh, we made offers for. But, you know, the, the toughest part in these jobs is, you know, you're in the moment. You owe it to the players and the fans and everybody in the organization, the employees as well. We all live and die with the team. But you also have to make sure that you want to be in this position every year, right? And that's the hardest part is you know you're trading long-term for short-term anytime you're doing these, these deals. And how deep do you want to cut? 
um, and you have to give up value at the same time. So could we have made more trades? Sure, we could have just said yes to trading some of our better players, right? So um, now some players in the division probably weren't going to come, but the other deals we didn't do were just, for us, we didn't want to sacrifice that much long-term for us. Mm. One thing we were talking about uh, in the intro before you came down, uh, the back of the bubble gum card doesn't lie and all that, and I was joking around saying, if you're a Braves fan out there listening and you had a leadoff hitter Jorge Soler on your <laughs> bingo card back in April, yeah. I'd love to get this week's Powerball numbers yeah. from you. But um, when you're looking at acquiring potential players, and Jorge had not had the season that we would you would typically see from him in Kansas City, are you able to look at guys and think, okay, they've had these this this kind of stats or they've had this kind of year in this city. In our lineup, in our situation here, they might be able to thrive but more. Or maybe they just fit better with us. I mean, are you able to project a little bit on some guys like that? You, you try to, but, you know, when we acquired Adam Duvall in 2018, he wasn't having a great year for, for the Reds. Uh, we thought there was obviously more in there, more talent in there, and he came over. He did not play well. He had a really hard time with us. So, you don't know entirely. Now, Jorge was getting hot. Um, he had been a good player in, in the past. Even last year, in 2020, it wasn't the best year, but there was some bad luck involved. Um, and obviously, his 2019 was really good, but he was really having a hard time. But he started to get hot and started to get going. Mm. Even a Rosario, he started to play well just before he got hurt. When we brought him back, we got him a lot of at-bats in Gwinnett just because he had missed so much time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see it. Once you get up here, we need you to perform right away. And if you don't, someone else is going to start playing. So I think getting him those at-bats were so important. But, you know, again, we were going to have playing time. We were going to have opportunity. Um, I give a lot of people credit for a lot of these things, you know. Um, I know I'm the one doing – I have to do the interviews and answer the questions. But <laughs> you don't do these jobs alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you Jason Perret at 30 minutes to, to go, we had stalled with the Royals. And we weren't getting anywhere. And he just kind of stayed on me. He's like, hey, why don't we just try to let's go let's go uh let's go see again let's give it a run again and why don't we see if we can keep trying to get solar and that just getting a reminder like like that is big you know you're, you have a lot going on we have it was especially the last day so um that was big snit we were planning on playing solar against anderson on sunday against lefties just kind of you know and snit called me on the saturday he's like you know what i know we were going to break him in easy and bat off the bench or start against lefties we weren't sure he's like he's hot i was talking to the staff he's like why don't we give him some run today he's hot let's get him every day at bats you know, it's a smaller right field. We were concerned about how the defense was going to look and so on, but we knew the upside was there offensively. And I said, you know what? I think it's a great idea. Let's go, you know? And that's where you need everybody pulling together. You know, if, if Parade doesn't remind me, if Snit doesn't say, hey, let's put him in there ASAP rather than waiting for the next day. All those things are really important, you know? So, and obviously with all the other trades we've made and signings and so on, you rarely, if ever, will have one person making these decisions. You need right. a team. Well, I, I was wondering, backing up to the jock acquisition, so Ronnie goes, Ronald goes down, I think that Saturday before the, the All-Star break. How important, when you acquired Jock a few days later, how important, obviously there was a spot to fill on the field there, but how important was it to you to show not just the fans and everybody, but, but the team and the clubhouse that, hey, okay, Acuna just went down, but we're not throwing in the towel. Like, it was that, how much of that was thinking, like, we we need to show everybody, like, we're we're not just giving up because one of our, our main guys went down. Yeah, I think it was important. I remember, um, I think that series in Miami, I think right around there, I think I was in Rome. Um, I wasn't on the trip, but I went to see some of you know, our affiliates, see some of our prospects and so on. And I was in one of the suites and, uh, there was a photo with like Freddie Freeman and Kimbrel and Hayward and so on. And I took a, you know, I took a photo of it and I sent it to Freddie. And I'm, you know, basically I didn't know what he's like, oh, that was, we used to play a game in Rome with the big league team and this and that. We just started kind of going back and forth and he was asking, you know, what are you doing in Rome? I said, look, I want to see some of the players because I think we're going to move some, you know, we're going to try to add in and get better and so on. And, um, you know, just, you know, I think it was the same thing. He's like, man, I, you know, it's, it's been, been a grind and it's going to be tough. And he's always been very supportive and he's all about winning and so on. But he understands that we have to balance both things. But you knew that 
the way things were going, we were pushing and grinding so hard. We kept taking body blows, body blows, body blows. You lose Acuna on Saturday. Then you have Ian Anderson not throw well and come out of the game with a sore shoulder. And no one knew the results of the MRI till Tuesday. But at that point, you could feel like the sky is falling, especially knowing who we were going to play the next two weeks coming out of the break. And I knew it was we were days away from who are you selling? It already started a little bit. You know, are you trading Morton? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And... Um, you know, in my mind, one, Jock's a good player, and we, we needed him, no doubt about it. But it was critically important to get somebody in here by the time we got back from the break. One, I knew the guys were going to be on break. We had the draft, too, that, that was going on at the same time. So, um, you know, I think it was important that any thought that we were giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel, even if it crept into players' minds, which would have been completely understandable, staff as well, that was going to be gone. And even when we did, and I remember calling the Cubs GM saying, you know, I need to get this done in the next three days. Like, I'd like Jock Peterson. I would take him two weeks from now. But I need to do a deal now. And if you're not ready to do a deal now, I'm going to the next team. And we need to we need to get a deal on the board that we actually believe in. But as much from a mental standpoint for the club us when we get back because we have a really important stretch. Yeah, that's a great point because they're, well, we need to weigh more than one player, right? No I mean, there are a lot of things that, you know, whether no dressing the bullpen, dressing the starting staff and and then, of course, the lineup with, with Ronald being out. But uh, So I got a question for you that I think is is um, you work so hard all year and of course you're, I know your job never ends and you guys are always measuring and running the numbers and looking scouring and of course you know some of the unsung heroes are our advanced scouts right yep. so they're out there letting you know yes I've been watching Jorge for the last week and he looks really good or I saw you know Rosario before those guys never ending for them too as well and give a shout out to them but at this point you've done all this work you've given Snit all the ammunition he needs now those guys just got to go play right they got to win it so is there part of you that just says okay i've done all i can do all right everything we've pushed all the chips in to some degree everybody's clicking and the team's there i'm just gonna sit back and i want to watch you guys yeah. win it i mean is there some sense of accomplishment from that standpoint that as an executive you've done almost everything you can do to give them what they're what they need to do to win it yeah i think you know what until you actually get in and win it because there's no guarantees at this point right things sure still a lot of games left so you know um I know at this moment in time, I can't do anything else, rather than whoever's in the organization and so on, but we can't go outside the organization. We have who we have. So I know at this point, even though I'd like to do more, even to this moment, I can't. So um, I don't, I mean, unless you feel like your club is clicking on all cylinders and you have no holes, I don't know that you can, and this is probably of any executive or GM in any sport, I don't know that you ever feel like, man, I did everything I could, like I'm, I'm off the hook kind of deal. I actually... And I think this is a good thing. Maybe it's not. I look back as, hey, what what more could we have done? Mm. What missed opportunity? This and that. I'm constantly replaying and going back. Not dwelling as much as trying to learn something from it. <laughs> so, so you're like a perfectionist. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the <laughs> in point In a good is, way, right? <laughs> in a good way in the sense of hopefully we're in this position again. Not that we've had the challenges, but that... You're going to go through another trade deadline mm-hmm. again. You're going to go through another offseason again. And, you know, you're learning. As John Schultz will probably tell you. He probably learned till the last day he did the job. Pat Gillick will probably tell you the same thing. You're constantly tweaking and changing and evaluating. And there's still things. And I think you should get better as an executive with more experience and more time and having lived through certain things. So I look back and I talk to our staff about it, too. I don't want us to be complacent and say, well, it's baseball. It happens. Or mm-hmm. oh, there's nothing we can like, pat ourselves on the back. Or, no, we probably could have done more. You know, and that's not to be critical and so on. But that's how we get better, right? So the, you know, the adage, iron sharpens iron, right? You just mm-hmm. keep pushing and grinding. So That's actually biblical. 
Okay. There you go. <laughs> it's in Le- yes. Leviticus. <laughs> okay, you know what? It's funny. Dana Brown is, you know, yeah. a man of God. Uh, he's the one who will, he will talk about it all the time. He never told me where it came yeah, from. Yeah, maybe Deuteronomy. I'm not sure. Yeah. But iron sharpens iron as yes. one man sharpens another. Yes. Yep. He talks about it all the time. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, he says it all the time in, in draft rooms and so on. And, um, you know, I just think we can get better now. If we were having this conversation and we had already clinched or we are in the playoffs, I'd probably have a different answer. But mm-hmm. there's still – it's it's open-ended at this point. So um, if we get in, there'll be a sense of satisfaction to an extent. Um, if we don't get in, there'll be a, man, I wish we could have done more. Mm. So I uh, we I hear this from Greg all the time. Tom Glavin, we had him in that chair you're sitting last week. He told me the same thing. Talking about being a player or a coach, you can't ever – and Snit has said it you know a million times, and it's true. You can't ever get too high or too low throughout the course of the season. Otherwise, if you're that emotional about it, you will, you'll will you just never make it through. Now, me, as a fan who now also works for the team and also oversees the social media stuff and reads okay. all the comments, <laughs> I can at times find myself really hanging a little, getting a little too high or too low about things just because I'm just, you know, kind of living and dying by every pitch, as a fan does. Um, I think I even had to promise my fiancé during the Giants series that I would I would tone it down a little <laughs> oh, bit. Wow. Um, but I am curious, like, when behind closed doors, nobody's listening, don't worry, Sure. Uh, <laughs> do you ever find yourself like, I mean, pounding the table? I, and it could be in a good way. Like, I mean, like, or, or are you able to just kind of compartmentalize things and not ever get too high or too low like like the players do? Oh, I mean, in terms of getting high and low, like long term of the course, if we're in a bad stretch or in game, highs and lows, I'm all in on the highs and lows. <laughs> okay. In game. We make a big out, a lot of words coming out of my mouth, yelling and screaming. <laughs> okay. I don't want all the right. cameras on me if I'm in the suite. <laughs> yeah. um, right. That's why the windows are tinted, right? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in game, we're like fans. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know what? Any, now, it's incredible to me that the manager and the coaches and the players have to just be stoic. Mm, yeah. You can't react. And I could not do it. Now, I guess if you had enough experience doing that, mm-hmm. but now anyone who's not in uniform overall watching, whether it's live or on TV, we're all reacting the same way. I'm not sitting there like snit. No chance. I am. And staff is the same way. And now there's times where... It's not every pitch and every play and so on, but big moments, big plays. When you know it's really important, oh yeah, we're like fans, yeah, hundred percent. That's my see my first season down here. It was at Turner Field in 2015. <clears throat> I sit in the press box for home games, and my 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 moment where I had to learn was uh, somebody. I think Andrelton Simmons. This is going back a number of years. Turned a big double play or something, and I instinctually I could even feel my hand going up in the air to do a fist pump, and I wanted to pull it back, but I couldn't because it was <laughs> yeah. just instinctually, and I went like that and. Then and I just caught it, and I was looking around. I saw some of the other beat writers stuff looking at me. Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh. So I can I can keep it in check when I'm around other people. But it was funny. I'm at home, I, I lose. It. I know. I, hey, I'm. I was watching my Cowboys last night. I was going crazy. But oh, yeah. uh, but crushed them. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I was watching Guillermo was at bat in San Diego when he get drilled in the, the back. back yeah. yeah, he which he did it the right way, right? Yes. That's what you do. So in the background, they show in slow motion. Snit goes. I like that. And Walt's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> I played with Walt, so I know he, Walt yeah. loves that stuff. Oh, yeah. You have an MMA guy, right? So he sees him get drilled. He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, you know what? You just, it's all, I mean, every, I don't think there's a person that works for a team in any capacity, mm-hmm. whether you're baseball operations, marketing, whatever. You're a fan of the team. You're following the team. We just, if you know the cameras are on you, obviously you're not going to react. But, right. you know, when I was in Toronto and Jose Batista hit the bat flip home run, my one of my assistant GMs was sitting 
um, right in this chair like I am here, and I was standing behind him. I literally grabbed him from behind, lifted him out of the chair because <laughs> I was so excited. Now, I was really grateful the cameras weren't on us because they're going crazy, but you just, we were screaming, yeah. you know? So it's one. normal, and I don't think that's, I would, I've been with other teams and other front office people and so on. We're all the same. We just don't want anybody to see it. Sure. Right. Well, we've got a lot vested, right? No doubt. I mean, between all the work that we do here and on the business side and that you do on the baseball side and the team does on the field. So uh, so you're, you're going to get excited. I mean, I, I'm a former player and I was taught to be stoic yeah. as a pitcher, but I'm certainly not that way now. I watch just like yeah. a fan and it's, yeah. it makes it more fun, right? No doubt. So, well, hey, we uh, thank you for so much uh, for being with us today. No and problem. I know you got still a lot of work to do. We've got, got a big series here yep. today, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go to church next. <laughs> there you iron go. Sharpens iron. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. The there we go. All right. Well, thanks, Alex. Thanks so much, right, Alex. See you. See ya. All right. Thanks again to Alex Anthopoulos for joining us here. It's always a fun chat with him. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and hopefully the folks out there listening uh, enjoyed it as well. Um, Reverend McMichael, uh, would you like to make a statement at this time? Yeah, I was at least in the right. Um, I was in the Old Testament. Is it wasn't? I said Leviticus first, and I went to Deuteronomy, and it's actually in Proverbs. Proverbs twenty-seven is iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another one. So that was what we were referencing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alex was in um, in our uh, interview, but uh, well, you were in the right book. Yeah, I was in the right book, and I was in so. a similar zip code, you know, with sure. uh, being in the Old Testament. But uh, anyway, I thought I'd make a, a correction on that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. That, that, uh, so first of all, I got my answer I was hoping for there. I, it warmed my heart. Not that I thought the, the front office execs are just sitting there and don't care or just yeah. stoic the whole time. But in my mind, when the cameras aren't on and everything, they have to be fist pumping and all that kind of stuff, too. Because mm-hmm. I, I think if I was in that position, it's hard for me to project myself into their position but i just i really feel like i I would be that way because that is one thing i know from being a fan you know you're a fan we all know what that's like you talking about watching your cowboys last night and that sort of thing but i made that transition from fan to now okay now i'm working for the team and that's just you're still a fan but it just it just transforms into something different it just means something it means something different but the way you view things can change but still in my heart of hearts still that I've got that same rooting passion now there's there's other factors in play when you're working for the team that as to why you want the team win not just because mm-hmm. you're a fan anymore because it's things with your job that like if the team's winning there's going to be things that are that much better with your job I mean it's just the way it is um, or you're going to be having more fun with your job if the team's winning that's mm-hmm. natural so to hear hear Alex uh, uh, say that that would that's see now because that, that Jose Bautista bat flip in the 2015 postseason that's like a, that's already like a that's one of those clips we're going to oh, see yeah. over and over and over again for years to come and now I've got the picture of Alex just picking up somebody <laughs> yeah. up in the suite watching yeah, that. That's, that's a great. That's a great uh, uh, image. Yeah, that I had my mind too. Yeah. So, well, last home stand of the regular season. Hopefully, we've got some more home games to come after that. But uh, this will be the last alumni Sunday of the season, and you've got your you got well, you got a pretty good uh, guest list for this one, don't you? Yeah, I can't believe it. It's been a great year again. We just had one one left, and it's uh, Steve Avery, Greg Olson. 
celebrating that 91 last of first team. I can't believe it's been this long. What, 30 years? That's unbelievable. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) Next year we'll be celebrating 92, right? Sid Slid. But uh, yeah, so I want to definitely get those guys in, talk about their experience in um, playoff, you know, playoff runs and and going into hopefully another uh, another World Series for us. But uh, they're they're always fun getting together with. Of course, Steve was an unbelievable pitcher and Greg was our catcher. He when I he actually caught me when I broke into the league, so it'd be a lot of fun hanging out with them. Come see us out in the plaza. Probably um, I think we'll do it again, eleven thirty to twelve thirty. They'll be signing autographs, and then uh, we'll do a little Q and A, and and then enjoy the, another Braves win. All right, well that's going to be cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, I've got uh, some family and friends that are going to be here for that game, nice. so maybe we'll get them out there on Sunday. And uh, yeah, hope to see a lot of you out there as well. And well, we hope to see you out here all week. It's going to be a fun week and. Hopefully we're gonna we're gonna have a celebration at some point this week. So come on out to Truist Park. We look forward to seeing you. Uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. Hey Braves Country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.